We're late. We're late. Hey, you know what tomorrow is? Today is, yeah, episode 200. What the fuck, man? How did I that know, happen? man. I can't believe uh, I've been able to sit here for an hour with you 200 times without getting pissed. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Um, let me, uh, I'm just trying to find. The sleaze ball moved by the SEC on this Bellina case. Oh. Wait, hold on. What do I hear? Now you're echoing. <laughs> you're fucking nuts. <laughs> I, um, like, I don't know. I'm having fun on Twitter, basically. You know? That's good. I'm glad you're having a good time, man. Uh, so what's going on, man? What's going on with the market? Tell me the story. Uh, you know, everything looks a little off. I think everybody's yeah. just sitting on the sidelines waiting for tomorrow's FOMC notice or, you know, rate hike notice or rate yeah. notice. We don't really know what that is. I mean, there's a lot of speculation between 175 and 50. I've heard as high as 50% is calling for 100, but you know, I just don't see that happen. Sorry, Mr. Justin. I just don't see that happening because, you know, with the midterm elections looming, what is it, about six weeks now? I just don't see the Fed, you know, since they're apolitical, I just don't see them coming in and throwing a friggin', you know, let's be, you know, because I think the market already got its medicine last week. It was like, oh, these guys are serious. We can't just keep acting like they're going to start cutting again. It's ridiculous. Right. But, you know, so I'm kind of leaning more toward a 50 right now. I'm like 60% wow. at 75 and uh, 40% at 50 only because – Remember, they keep on paring that balance sheet down, and that's sucking $95 billion in liquidity out plus the multiplier every month. So I just get the feeling they don't really have to raise it as aggressively. And then if it doesn't respond, then hit it with the one point, the full 100 bips in December. But I think now they might be kind of crossing that line a little bit, and they're probably worried. So <laughs> since the market yeah. sold off last week, I think they come in 50 or 75. I think the market rallies and stabilizes. Um, it's All not right. falling off a cliff, but it looks okay. Your and lips to forth. God pal's ears. Well, I'm just, you know, synthesizing 50 people's opinions into something that's sort did of makes sense to me. Hmm? Did you call your deep state connections and tell them to let him know what you think should be done? No, no, no. I, think I know you have all those. Them. I know you have all those deep state connections. <laughs> not really. If you mean like career government your party. From you, that's a deep state. They're all deep state, Joe. Don't you know? They're all they're all out to get us. I guess so, man. I don't know. All, man, but... all of your friends are deep state people, except me. Really? I look at it yeah. as kind of, um, you know, institutional government. All out to get, government. All out to get like... us. Yeah, yeah. They're all out to. I don't if look they've at been it there. From... If they've worked for the federal government prior to 2016, they're deep state. They have to be. Au contraire. <laughs> I'm just making shit up, dude. Oh, no, I know. I know. No, I, you know, look, I don't, nobody knows. You know, we had Gavin on that time. I mean, if you want to, if that's, uh, you know, whatever, I'm not going to. He's, he's a deep state, deep, 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 deep yeah. state operative, Gavin. <laughs> well, if that's what we're worried about, you know, I'm telling you, you don't have to. <laughs> Joe's kind of squirming because he's been inviting all his buddies to watch our show. And so I'm sitting here 
making fun. I hope, they, I hope they know that I am completely joking. Oh, and they that, do, dude. They uh, do. And that, and that uh, I'm just kind of, you know, turning it on the table. Yeah, you're just priming the pump. That's Get right. some action That's going. Right. Lighten, the, That's lighten right. the fuse, baby. Lighten the fuse. They know me. <laughs> they know me. Yeah. You know. They have plenty more stories to tell you about me than I do about Oh, them. we need to have some beers. <laughs> I need to call Gavin up. We'll do a yeah, private no, show. But we where gotta... we... I'm going to get all your buddies from D.C. together. We'll have a private show without you where we talk about Joe. Like a roast? Yeah. yeah that'd be fun. That'd be interesting. That'd yeah. be absolutely a blast. But all those people that are there, they know that I have dirt on them too. So it's uh, that whole ah. mutually assured destruction thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Damn, That's I look like... Go ahead. I look like Sorry. I'm sunburned, but uh, I haven't seen this, the sun in uh, days. Yeah, you do look a little pale. You might want to adjust that light to the I orange need to side. Go, I need to go get some fucking... I need to go get some sun, dude. Oh, that's there too you go. Red. Let's go with that. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. I can look like I'm dying. I don't care. Uh, all right. You so, work too much, man. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> at the... At the risk or no risk of uh, starting something. <laughs> oh, go ahead, dude. We'll tee it up. Let's let it roll. <laughs> no, I don't think it will, actually. Nah, so, uh, once again, the fucking SEC uh, doesn't want to actually announce any fucking rules. So, they try to slide uh, their rules into their lawsuits, right? So, first of all, they did the right fucking thing. Right. They went after Ian Bellina for promoting securities. And it was all like he and his buddies scamming out, launching ICO after ICO, him promoting them and then paying other people, other influencers to promote it. I hope they all fucking go down. Right. Because they were just shilling shit and and people got burned. So I'm all for that. Absolutely. That's what I think the SEC's role needs to be. Show the world that if you fuck around, you're going to get burned, right? Yep. But then they slide into the fucking case that because 45% of staking nodes somehow are in the United States, all of Ethereum is under its jurisdiction and now <laughs> they're, you know, in control of everything. And it's just like, you know what? why don't you just have the balls to write the rules and have those contested by people rather than throw it in with this guy who's going to settle. They know he's going to fucking settle, right? Cause he doesn't want to spend the rest of his life in jail and, and try to have some, some precedents that they've set by putting this into the case. And it's just, I, 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 <clears throat> I'm not naive. I get, the motivations and the incentives. I understand that prosecutors, you know, rise in their career when they have more prosecutions and they have more, um, they have more wins and they get more fines. That's your, that's your goal. You want to climb up the ladder. You want to be at the top of the top rung of the, the SEC and then go out and get a nice gig. I get it. But the motivations, the incentives are wrong because if you truly cared about properly regulating the crypto market, then you would have a discussion and you would post what you think the rules are and then you would allow those to be challenged and questioned and commented upon. Now, any wait, before I move on, any thoughts on that so far on your part? 
I saw that, and I yeah, you know, I thought it was about a bit excessive too. I don't. I mean, the U.S. claims global jurisdiction on you know sometimes on matters, and and I, I thought it was a bit of a stretch here, but I thought it was consistent with what he's been saying. But look, you know, kind of yeah, but saying well, kind saying of, that saying that they were validated on the all the on forty five percent of the nodes being in the U.S. That means that as a result, those transactions took place in the United States is bullshit. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. But I think that, again, we know his this is Gensler, right? Gensler said this? Uh, well, this is in the case, uh, in the filing, oh. in, in the case against Ian Bellina. Well, you know, in a lot of lawsuits as, or in public messaging or negotiation, you know, the challenge is always to come out with the most... The oh, highest, that's a good point. Amy. Furthest to the edge position that you can possibly do, but it's just enough to make people pissed off, but not make them go on, walk away from a discussion. So it's like if you were selling your company, let's say Material Indicators was somebody made an offer. Come on, make and, the offers, people. And you're trying, <laughs> and you're trying to kind of like you know they're saying, well, what do you want? And you're saying, <laughs> well, what do you think it's worth? It's it's technically not for sale. You know, what's it worth to you? You know, you're fighting this battle over who's going to say a number first. But whoever says the number first, the challenge is to say a number that's so high that they kind of wince a little bit, but uh -huh. at the same time, don't walk away. So when people say stuff like this in media, it, it just seems yeah, like but, a lot of posturing. But I do have but, one point I want to make. This isn't a, wait, 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 real quick to that right. point. Oh, it's a this case, is in a, not media. Yeah, got it. Yeah, this isn't a case. They're not like. But so, I mean, in lawsuits too. You do the same thing in a lawsuit. Right, you know, but they're, his attorney's. Thankfully, his if Belina fights this, oh Belina, okay, I, I can't imagine he would. But if he fucking fights it and doesn't settle, then his attorneys are going to try to take this out because they don't want these transactions to have occurred in the United States, right? Because that's what gives him that's what gives them jurisdiction over all of the transfers of Ethereum or whatever that he received for promoting these ICOs. So. But Kasha, um, wouldn't it have to be fifty-one percent of the? Well, you nodes? would think, but they're trying to claim that that because they are more densely clustered in the United States than any other country. But mm. Amon just made a great point. This happened back in 2017, 2018, when miners controlled in China. Very good so, point. Uh, that's a really good point. I mean, that's a really fucking good point. Who is it? So, Ina Bellina? Are you listening? I, Ina Bellina. Ian. Ian. Ian Bellina. Sorry. Um, yeah, well, he, he don't have your that. attorney call Eamon because he's yeah. got you covered. He's, you know, I, I mean, this, this is actually again, smart. But, you know, when I saw this in the news, just the quip about the, you know, before when Getzer was talking about ETH might have become a security, and we kind of had that spirit of discussion about where mm. in the continuum of decentralized to centralized and regulated unregulated like where is that optimal value in the middle and you know it made me start thinking you know i kind of tried to carve btc out of that because i think everybody says crypto and you know there's definitely starting to segment into different sort of um uh, markets and you know what i came out of all of that thinking shit man i mean okay so if they're going after ETH now and turning into security then, you know, that leaves like FTM in a pretty good position. It doesn't leave Polygon in a great position because of it being so close to ETH. But it kind of opens the door for 
um, in my mind, what is the one that they're not going after at all? That's a good point. <clears throat> BTC. Who could ever get DeFi, a true DeFi, a Canto style play, let's say, on BTC. I don't know if that's regulatory, regulatorily touchable. Well, it won't be, but you can't. Not because, even on Stacks or any of those other things? Well, you Stacks you can, but Stacks has, you know, if I'm not mistaken, it's basically a, a, a layer on top of Bitcoin and it's mm -hmm. um, val got validator nodes. And, and so it would be so the, be the same, same thing. thing. And, and the mat, you know, look, but actually uh, Sean says, uh, how about build a chain that regulation can't fuck with? Oh yeah, BTC. <laughs> China tried to stop BCC effect equals zero. And all joking aside, the merits of the case against Ether are meaningless. It stops core institutional investment. Yeah, and that's kind of their goal is. He's also putting himself and trying to put himself into a leverage position like you were talking about earlier, Joe. Gensler is when I say he. Mm -hmm. um, but um, trying to put himself in a negotiation position for what the regulations actually end up looking like, right, right. Congress. So, um yeah, but I, you know, I to Sean's point, if I'm not reading that exactly right, um, I think that the reason they want to make it a security is because that facilitates institutional investment. Okay, oh, that makes so, sense. Yeah. All right. I think that's what they're thinking. So I think this is a layup for the banks. Oh, again, I like know, that. To, to I like point. that. That's a good um, point. But is it or isn't it? And are the merits for why it is or isn't valid? Um, you know, that's subject to litigation. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. There's, there's, there's so many moving pieces, but fundamentally, um, I think it's it's really it's the next new paradigm. We're going to see something now, new now here. Eamon said, obviously, I don't think this is a legitimate mm -hmm. way of saying where a transaction happened. It's nonsense. But, Sean, ETH doesn't care either. Regulators can make shit up, too, uh, of course, about Bitcoin. So, um, you know, I think Sean's response would mm -hmm. be, well... It doesn't matter if mining gets stopped in, in the U.S., um, you know, short of actually making it illegal to transact with you with Bitcoin, um, that Bitcoin would go on and other people will mine it in other parts of the world. So I think that's kind of where he would come from on that. But Niblet said truth from the pub. True that. Sean said 100% Sean said with Joe on that, but then you need to have a permission system. Um, right. Uh, so anyway, speaking of the regulatory framework, though, uh, Treasury uh, has asked mm -hmm. for public input um, to shape the crypto regulations. And so I found it on um, the regulations.gov website. I'm going to put the link in. Um, I encourage everyone to take the time to read. Uh, to, I thought I had this open, but evidently I didn't. Hey, you know what we should do, Brad? <laughs> we should crowdsource from our viewers, listeners a composite answer to each of these and make a submission from DeFi lunch. Oh, I like that. That's Why cool. not? Yeah. I mean, right. like we'll, we'll post it in Reddit. We'll yeah. post it in the show notes, but we'll post it in Reddit with a link to a discussion on Reddit where people can post in their comments. Yeah. And yeah. then we send over some, because I think we could put together a pretty good agnostic, um, unbiased, set of information for them to entertain and then i can sort of reinforce it indirectly you know through yeah i like that my relationships like that. there that's good um but i think this is a community response and that's what we need you know we talk Joe's about that in a good word with the deep state for us 
if these guys are really running the world, we're in big fucking trouble. <laughs> so, nothing personal, guys, but you know. <laughs> you guys leave at a quarter to five every day. Show up at nine. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> I'm just That's kidding. Awesome, I'm just That's kidding. They work awesome. from home. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I love it. Um, but that would be a good thing because I think that we have a good balance of ideas on our team here. Yeah, our community. I totally agree. And I'm sure um, Sean will weigh in because he wants yeah. to help Leaf out. Yeah, he'll weigh in. He said, is Joe starting SEC coin? We should start. We should start the Gens. The Gens token. <laughs> G yeah, yeah. Gens Gains, we'll call it. Gens. Gens, Gens, Gens gains. Let's make yeah. it like some total complete Ponzi with fucking <laughs> some kind of no, no, that's not saying a whole else. collection of freaking nutso NFTs and then we'll rug everybody. Oh no, no, we could call it GG. Now here's what would be funny. I remember, and if any of my buddies are listening, Sax Gavin coin. one time had these treasury issued trading cards, or was it not treasury? Maybe it was. ATF, yeah, they're part of Treasury. It was it was something, but it was all the drug seizure dogs. And so oh. it was like a football card or a baseball card. You know, if you remember those from the real world days, like an NFT in the real world, but it had their like seizure stats and all this stuff down there. And it was like these dogs. And it was like about nine of them, I think. I always thought that'd be kind of a funny ass. Of course, they were, you know, I mean, it's never fun to get in trouble for anything, but you know, it was sort of like a, a interesting way that they would rally everybody around these dogs, just like they did with the uh, dogs in Afghanistan. You yeah. know, those, uh, what do they call them? Malinators or what? Malinois, like has more biting power than an alligator. And, um, you know, they're, I think the nickname is Malinator, but they brought a lot of those back that were adopted, you know, combat dogs. Uh -huh. and I think they got on NFTs, but, you know, it's just funny what everybody else does to promote and, you know, you see, we're doing stuff like that every day. Yeah. So getting off of uh, regulatory, I thought this was really interesting. Remember how we were talking about Helium Mobile? And for everybody that doesn't remember, Helium is the um, uh, the provider of hotspots all over the world where uh, people bought these hotspots in order to provide cellular and Wi-Fi access to phones that are roaming in that area to build a network, a cellular network that's cheaper and rivals um you know, the access of the big players in the space. And then the people who had the hotspots would make tokens from uh, having the hotspots from people using the bandwidth and paying for use of the, the bandwidth. So they got under pressure because it showed that they only had like $6,500 in revenue, but all of these people had bought these hotspots and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on them. Well, um, they have answered by uh, launching their own cellular plans, um, which will combine the Helium 5G network and the T-Mobile network. And the plans start as low as $5 per month and mm -hmm. subscribers will get tokens for just using their phone. I like that. I like this a lot. I like this a lot because Theoretically, and I don't know how strong or wide, reach, far-reaching the Helium network is, but this, to me, is a great way to bootstrap this business model, right? Because once you have phones in the hands of people and they're getting cheap access 
and you can start making it so your hotspots are making money, then people are going to be more inclined to set up their own hotspots in their home so they can make even more money because they see other people generating revenue yeah. from the use of it. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, they have a lot of work to do and it's going to be a difficult thing to get overcome, you know, to get adoption. But this idea of, you know, a $5 a month plan is, is pretty, well, look, pretty impressive. So. What this really gets me or, or what I see here. Because there was that project I was involved in about a decade ago, which was um, it was a rice growing project, but it was something that would allow farmers, say in Southeast Asia, to um, uh, be able to grow, I think, three crops of rice instead of one per year, um, or be able to grow in the dry season because it was a well technology that would pull water, had some solar on the top, and then it also had a um, a Wi-Fi ish. Not, I guess it was Wi-Fi back then, but a cell tower type thing. And so right. they go to the village and one person was usually like the, you know, village, I don't know, chieftain for lack of a better word. It was his, usually his wife and she would get the cell phone contract. But so everybody would come there to charge their phones and could make micro calls. So it's this concept of like micro payments and micro, um, you know, cause these are smaller contained markets, you know, they're villages right. and right. everybody doesn't need a smartphone. So right. they share it. And then that person who manages the custody of it gets a cut and, you know, everybody prospers. So I see this and I'm like, what if you laid like the Wi-Fi hub or what if you went to those same type of women or those same people in the villages and got them signed up for this? Hell one yeah. per village. Um, you know, it's like there's, it seems to me there's going to be like a new town square in all these little villages. It's kind of what I was pitching in China, too, but where all these kiosks and access to services that don't necessarily disseminate well into the countryside cost wise are a magnet like to bring in people from the countryside into the towns right. and it facilitates community <clears throat> development of those towns and those dis dis uh, distributed communities in real world. So this is, a, this is really, there's, there's something there, there, man. No, I totally agree. I, I think this is a really brilliant idea. So they're going to have um, five gigabyte and one gigabyte plans. One gigabyte starts at $5. I, I mean, I don't know if that means one gigabyte off of the T-Mobile, but everything else is free if you're accessing the, Bye -bye. the their hubs, or if that means just one gigabyte for five bucks a month, five gigabytes a month. It's coming in early 2023. And then unlimited will only be US to start. Um, mm. But, um, you know, look, if they're starting at five bucks a month, I, you know, they probably would be pretty competitive. Now, the problem is, you know, like T-Mobile and AT&T and uh, family plans, I think are about 50 bucks a month for four people. So they're going to have to be competitive in that range on the unlimited side. But if I was looking at this, they have, they have how many HubSpots was it? Let me find it. Well, do, 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 the do issue they... in the past, remember when we like, Metro, they have one, or whatever. The issue have, was you could get the cheap ones, but they didn't work when you traveled. Right. And so that's what I'm think you're trying to get to here is that same point. And and what is it, Brad? Well, they have one million hotspots in seventy three thousand cities. That's some that's some pretty good coverage. Now I'm sure there are gaps, and that's why they have T Mobile in the mix, right? But one and is T Mobile partner with Starbucks? I don't know. I'd put them in Starbucks. Well, that would make sense. Or find another chain to put them yeah. in. FedEx. Yeah. Uh, Go to Starbucks. Who's number two in the coffee space? What else Panera? is international? McDonald's. 
Yeah, McDonald's too. Yeah, anybody. Yeah. And who's in all the airports? You know what fast food or oh, what? Those, those magazines, cafe stores. places. Uh, yeah, magazine shops. Yeah. You just lay yeah. them everywhere where people will need it. Yep. And then so it anyway, like said, have that cascading thing in each metro area. We get more microcells everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I I really like this strategy. I like what they're doing here. I I think it makes I think it makes a ton of sense. I what's the uh, token look like right now? I'll look it up. It's ACL. Uh, I don't. So there's two tokens here. There sounds like there's going to be a token called Mobile for uh, for people to earn that are um, that are using the phone is what I saw in here earlier. So, but you know, yeah. Here we'll mine Mobile tokens. So I'm assuming they're going to have two tokens: the Helium token and the Mobile token. But but I I, I don't know. Okay. So anyway. And this stuff. is the same helium that's been around for a while. The one yeah. that was, I was yeah. always kind of thinking, lumping in with Celsius in my head. Exactly. <laughs> because of the names, of course. Exactly. So they've had a token around for a while. HEL, right? Is that it? I think that's their primary token. I'm not sure. Okay. I was just going to pull up a chart real fast. Helium price, HNT, 441. Just the same one, 532. Okay, uh, the token made a nice price, made a nice run about an hour ago from like $4.50 to $5.30, if this yeah. is the right one. Market cap about $1.2 billion. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so this is popping. That media is making it move. That's good. Cool. ATM. Uh, yeah. So wait, uh, don't chase this one. <laughs> Sorry. I don't want to be giving any advice, but yeah, no, you know, if it's in the news, of course, you know, you wait. Yeah. So um, re I was reading this post yesterday called on building mobile first, which I actually, I, I mean, I think the part of the article is about this, but this is actually a really good analysis of um, the next phase of what we have to develop. Right. So, um, and that is is making everything kind of one click easy for users and segregating out functions of DeFi into apps in the real world with him talking quite a bit about mobile first. But there was something really friggin interesting that caught my eye um, because he starts referencing quite a bit of um, the build outs uh, and the success of particular applications in India. Mm -hmm. um, and he talks about he talks about a lot of the stuff you and I talk about all the time, which is um, you know better UI, better UX, making things more accessible to the average person, all of those kinds of things, and 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 all the points are valid. I'm going to put this in the show notes because it's an awesome article with some great data in it. Um, but if you look at average number of hours spent online, you know you're looking at mobile being the gargantuan. Uh, component of that. Now, you and I um, are probably more desktop, so we're in this range. But just interesting that that you know mobile dominates, but most DeFi applications are desktop first. Now, that said, that's their market. That's the people that are buying and doing large quantities. That's why DeFi developers target them first. There's a segment a segment of users that have a lot of money that they want to be in their protocol, and so the easiest way to get to them is desktop. But um, as we start onboarding the rest of the world through gaming and NFTs, and he he concludes that gaming is the way he thinks the the way forward for all of DeFi is through gaming. Um, but um, 
he talks about, remember yesterday when we were talking about um, gold in India? Yes. Let me find this quote. I oh, I did that. see that analog between starting to buy like frags yeah. of gold. Like Here we go. Yeah. So, so he talks about um, the last. He talks about crowdfunding and KYC, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he talks about um, India, a state-owned payments network in the region named UPI, scaled from doing four billion in transactions to over a hundred twenty billion in transaction volume every month. Wow! In every <laughs> month, and they grew that size in four years. Indians do 72 billion transactions digitally each year. So then he said, DeFi promised to make investment bank grade products accessible for everyone. This is a variation of the promise of ICOs. The idea was that everyone could now invest in early stage ventures. By and large, this is true, but it excludes the fact that too often people simp want simple primitives that are set and forgotten. Not ones that require con one instance. This is the I love this one instance I have to prove this is the case of Jar HQ from India. The app ranks consistently in the region's top 20 for UPI transaction volume. What are users doing so many transactions for? To buy gold for as little as five cents. Mm -hmm. Historically, buying gold was an aspirational act in India, it involved saving enough to buy the smallest amount. You then lost money to the middleman that sold the gold to you and worried about where to store it. Jar flipped the unit economics around it. By focusing on digital gold depositories, they reduced the amount of money needed to buy it. By focusing on a market like India, they could focus on scaling at a pace most of their traditional store-first counterparts could not. And what his point is, is that the opportunity here is to grab little pieces of this market and little functionalities in protocols and, and primitives that are built. So pulling something out of a spirit swap or pulling some component out of Abe, that's what brew money is, which is also out of India, but is US uh, targeting. It's a non-custodial wallet that it's one click access to Abe yields, right? And they're going to add other yields to it, but it, it's that. It's let me pull out one piece of well, functionality that would be of interest to people, right? And, and so this is brilliant. Now, the interesting thing here is I want to build that gold app with that dumb, simple interface for the rest of the world and just use PAXG, which is backed by gold in, um, in vaults and make it so people can round up their change and buy gold when we're in a down market. Right. Yeah. Everybody, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Right. So why not a dumb, simple app that that's all you do? Connect your bank account, round up all your transactions, 75 cents, 6 cents, 20 cents, whatever it is, and boom, you're buying Pax G automatically, right? Well, and you're just staking gold, gold, gold. And then later you add other things to it. You add the ability to buy Bitcoin, Ethereum with your roundup change and maybe create a basket of, of things. Well, yeah, it should be that, look, this is for, I've talked about this before, you know, why aren't crypto people buying gold? Yeah. You know, I mean, why not buy some Pax G and store it, save it or the other ones where you can take delivery? I mean, it's a diversification play. It makes total sense. And what I like about this with India is this is why India always gets everybody's attention. And it's simply this one. Am I locked? One point six billion times five cents per day. You know, you do the math on that one. It's a big number. Yeah. And, you know, if you penetrate 10 percent of the market. It's 160 million times five cents per day. So I would venture that the vast, you know, the female side of the, the women's side of the market is probably 
99%, I mean, not kids, of course, but let's say adults, 99% doing this. 99% yeah. of them are acquiring gold. And, but they haven't been able to, like the article says, because, you know, you got to have a lot of money to go buy the physical stuff. You can go buy five cents worth of gold physically. But this is kind of what is this microfinance type application is exactly the kind of stuff that elevates um, I don't know, agrarian societies or distributed societies that haven't moved as fast as first world. It allows right. them to accumulate wealth. Anything that allows them to accumulate wealth and scale it in aggregate is a good thing for the rest of the world. Sure. And well, here's the thing that, you know, the point that I think he's making and, and Niblet says the market needs several layers between them and the DeFi mechanics. So it's not about a better wallet, but about better, about vertical solutions that subsume DeFi mechanics like uh, automatic transmission. And that's exactly what, by the way, Great Niblet's point. brew is. Brew is not, brew is not pushing themselves as a wallet. They're pushing themselves as a, as a mechanism to easily invest in DeFi primitives without having to understand DeFi primitives or interact with the protocol, right? And that to me is what's important. The other, the other thing he talks about in the article is how you can layer these things, right? You start off with buy your, round up your money for gold, and then you start adding other capabilities to it, right? Yeah, let me let diamonds. you leverage, let me let you borrow against all your gold holdings and invest it in Ave or invested in Alchemix loans or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can build in and the user never has to know how it functions on the back end. All it has yeah, to do is you, you have to build up trust with the user that what you are doing is what you say you're doing on the back end, but you don't have to worry about the mechanics of doing it. And I think yeah, there's you, a ton of opportunity of seeding this. I mean, look, it's the, it's been the go-to for you know for crypto type um storage of wealth portability things like that it and diamonds have been the you know the the 100 go-to for that yeah. and fleeing fleeing war zones and things like that so i think it is a well one i also think it'd be kind of cool if you could take those you know fractionalized gold token pieces you have and you like you said go to ave and stake them there and borrow against them well, borrow against them so you could stake it, Ave. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I would say the other way around is that if you got like, well, you can't you stake know, the, your Pax G there. I don't. Think. Well, no, I'd say if you could. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be another Absolutely. treasury diversification play for Ave. Yeah. Because now it's not all crypto. Part of it is gold. Now, sure, yeah. it's digital gold, but you know, still, that's a that's a big step for them. Um, but think about like financing farm budgets and things like that. And, um, in, in countries, these agrarian societies, you know, they have to often go to like the payday loan type equivalent people to borrow the money to get the seed to plant the crop. Right. And then at the end of it, then they got to go sell it to the people who then say, oh, shit, everybody's delivering, you know, grain today. This price is this. So, you know, they just get, you know, probably 20 percent of their margin is getting taken out in, in finance fees. Right. So if you can dis disintermediate 16 to 18 15 percent of that that's money in people's bellies basically Absolutely. so that's the kind of stuff i like to see no it's great it's awesome so anyway uh this is a really great piece i want to encourage everyone to read it especially those of you that are builders out there um you know i i think one of the things that's going to have to happen in the near future is 
all of these protocols are going to have to start thinking about how do I gain access to the users that are not the core people in DeFi, right? How do I start spreading what I do beyond that? The other thing they're going to have to think about is stop worrying about token go up and start thinking about fucking revenue and how they pay investors with revenue instead of token price. Yeah. But that's a whole nother core problem for them. You know, what's interesting here, Brad, is this is also, if they go that route, like, you know, acquiring the gold um, um, token interest or whatever, the digital gold, and they make the psychological transfer from physical gold to digital gold and equating them and making them the same psychologically, believing it, just like people believe in the dollar, let's say, or people believe in gold. Um, it seems like then when they move into something like using an Ave or some equivalent for say farm finance or something that it brings them into the DeFi world at that point. Yeah. From a trusted pedestal of gold. Exactly. Okay. So that brings one, well, some portion of 1.6 billion, um, Indian citizens into the crypto world, which, yeah, we want that. <laughs> so, well, yeah, look, and I, like I said, I, I think these things can all be translated to other users in other parts of the world, including the United States. So, yeah. um, anyway, I think it has a ton of potential and DeFi, uh, Nibble like says it. DeFi can equalize the cost of capital globally, globally. So why does the left not see how powerful this can be, dude, because it doesn't allow them to maintain control over people and their money, the far left. I'm talking about the far left. Um, well, and, and that's the bottom part. line. They yeah, think they I'm, need to protect people. Right. Yeah. Some significant aspect of that segment does. Um, and I think it's easier that's to what, go ahead. And I think that's what terrifies the opposite side of the uh, spectrum, because, you know, when you hear things like nanny state and things like that are protecting everybody, you know, what's the first thing you think of? We think of some old you know, your older sister beating the shit out of you or <laughs> think about some your wife telling you what to do or your mom punishing you. So, you know, that's the way it's equ equivocated in people's minds. So I agree. Sure. You can't, you know, you have to, we have to figure out a way again, this is not binary or zero sum. We have to figure out some guidelines where, you know, we talk about this a lot, Brad, where people have to have individual free will to make decisions they want, but somehow we have to make it to where, they're not getting suckered into stuff that isn't real. And I think that's, that's probably the best way to say it. Yeah, um, totally agree. But that's, that's, a, that's a tough challenge. You know? That's hard to do, and I don't know if it's doable. So uh, James, by the way, said that HNT is correct for the token, I think. For okay, the, cool. So, uh, thank you, James. Uh, okay, you had loaded up something. Uh, oh, MicroStrategy acquires an additional 301 Bitcoins and now holds 130,000 Bitcoins in total. Do they say yeah. how much he's down at this point? I think these are all these were all bought in the 19.8 range, 19.3. It says it in there in the article. Um, but you know, I was kind of surprised. You know, I mean, I heard some chatter about this, and I actually tweeted out something about this, but it turned out it was a spoof account that I tweeted. So I deleted it because I didn't want to be promoting inaccurate information, but there was definitely talk about this and, and here it is. So, um, I don't know. I think it's a good thing. I yeah. Mean, so I he's paid, of, he's averaged prior to this buy, his average buy like price was 30,650. 30, and so what was this average? They bought, 300 and 130 
Oh, they hold. They bought three hundred and one. They hold three hundred and one more down sorry. here at nineteen, I guess. Yeah, that's not going to move the DCA needle. No, very much. it's not going to help. Not going to help. Now, but you still... know, look, he's probably sitting there at around. You said the whole balance was at thirty-one, or before yeah, the that average, the average, okay. his average buy price was thirty. Thirty thousand six hundred twenty-three. He spent three point nine eight one billion. I mean, look. I mean, he talks the talk, but he walks the walk. I fucking hate that guy. I don't well, hate anybody. Sorry. I know I you don't hate him, but I but I know it's it, sometimes. You know, it's it's hard because I don't know what audience he's speaking to. Is he speaking to like retail crypto enthusiast? He's, I doubt he's, it. He's speaking to whoever will buy more Bitcoin to pump his bag. Yeah, but the institutionalist, I don't think they like his behavior and his attitude. I don't I just don't think that this helps advance institutional. Um, yeah. That well, if he's helps. up, if he's up later, right, next he bull run, eventually. he'll yeah, look he'll like up. a fucking genius. And that's yeah. when all the that's when all the Treasury managers in corporate America will be like, oh, oh shit. And they'll lay yeah, down he, and give uh, him his exit. And then Until he dumps it all. <laughs> he like, dumps it all oh, on wait, them. What was that three three shit we were talking about? <laughs> uh, but, Sean said they're you know. trying to raise five hundred million to buy more BTC. Three hundred BTC is meaningless. Yeah. He says it's all time preference. Decent chance this is a great position in five years. Totally agree that this right, will yeah. be an awesome position. Um, and he and Shizzy says you can hate Sailor, but he'll be the richest man in the world one day. Well, I don't know. They're not his bitcoins, so you know. But yeah, uh, and I don't really. I don't really hate him, uh, Shizzy. I just know people who were around him when the accounting fiasco happened. Um, and so that kind of just makes makes it seem like he, he, you know, what I'm getting at is everybody who we want to come in and, well, at least I want to come in and buy shitloads of this stuff so we all get rich. Or, um, you know, they, they he lost a lot of credibility with them. And so I just didn't like how he became the big cheerleader before, but that was before he went out and bought 130,000. So now I'm like, okay, he's for real. You know, he's not full of it. And he did pitch Blackstone on this at the beginning. Cause they're like his biggest ah. shareholder and they had to approve it. So, you know, cause they're on the board. Um, yeah, but still it's, there's when an investor comes in like Blackstone, I think they only own 10%, but they have veto control and they, because of all the money they they came in, there's there's preferred and there's shareholder agreements, but there's different things that they do. Yeah, but th this um, is a good point back to me from Shizzy that the, after I said that it's not his, it's the company's. He owns sixty percent of the stock, so yeah, six. You know, theoretically, fifty to sixty percent he's going to walk away with if this thing sells. Oh well, look, I look at he doesn't look. He made a bunch of money before, so he doesn't really have to personally do anything here. He's obviously Blackstone is happy and obviously this, I mean, I haven't looked at the stock price honestly in the last couple of months, but it seemed like it was doing okay and compared to everything else. So I don't see him being in trouble. I think he makes this pitch for this 500 million that Sean references and he goes out. And then if this stuff drops to 13 or something or 14, like, you know, the more doomier people project, he's going to buy it all. I mean, well, everything he can get his hands on and then it will go. Yeah. And at that point, you know, he will come out on top. I think it's a brilliant move. I Look, mean, and 
I, I dislike him personally. I don't dislike yeah. the strategy. I, I think it's smart to own MicroStrategy. I just, I just can't stand him as a person. I think he's a piece of shit. So well, that's, that's you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to. You know, the guy, he's an MIT guy. I don't remember if he graduated or dropped out. I, I just don't remember. But he's a smart guy. Yeah. Um, so it's down to one ninety six. Uh, can you pull a chart up for uh, 1999? Down 75% in the last uh, year and a half. For what? For 99, 2000. Can you pull up like all time? Yeah. That's it 90, right there, right? Yeah. So that's high was 1391. So look at that wick. No, no, go oh, back. Shit. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to show that wick at the top of that one. Look at that wick right there. Before it just plummeted. Now that all happened in one day. And friends Are you of mine. Serious? Oh yeah, no. What happened was that um, uh, SEC investigated, accused them of front-loading revenues. They had signed a ten-year deal with Sprint for data mining. It was, you know, predictive analytics stuff back then. Just it's in your smartphone now. So they signed that deal for sixty million for ten years, and then booked it all as sixty million in revenue that quarter. So they signed the deal, let's say, and I'm paraphrasing, so maybe I'm off a tiny bit. Let's say they signed the deal on September 30th to meet the forecast earnings per share number, okay, or the, what they had tell, been telling all the institutional guys that own all the stock. Didn't happen. So the SEC came in and, and charged them. And then Bank of America called at 10 and pulled a, I don't know, $400 million line of credit and demanded payback by five. And then they fired everybody in the company, but six people. And I think the stock went from, I think it was up at like, well, you said 1392 or something. And then yeah. it plummeted down to like, I mean, oh God, this is misery, but I mean, we've all been there to like eight or something. Yeah. And then, then he stayed in the game and, and look, this is a whole new incarnation. That's what I find. So like, you know, this is all going on dot-com bubble. So, you know, we were there. This is in Tyson's Corner outside D.C. was where their office was. And um, I knew the guys running his software development team. They became they were another firm and I knew his CFO. <laughs> so, um, you know, basically there's a lot of chatter about it out there. But that's where I kind of just lost respect for him. Uh, Shizzy says, how many copycat CEO who wants the fame? Two years ago, no one knew who, who Sailor was. There will be a lot of copycats next bull run. Yeah, but if they have any sense, they'll be doing it now. Like, look, if you want to turn your corporation into a holding company for Bitcoin, this would be the time. <laughs> You're right. I mean, this is when you should be DCAing into Bitcoin if this is what your strategy is going to be. I mean, you yeah. and I should just start a company, Joe, and we'll just buy Bitcoin and Ethereum every day. And then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll do a SPAC. And we'll just buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Pax G. And, oh, yeah. I'm sure your uh, SEC buddy is going to love that one. And well, no, we'll register it. We'll register well, I know. it. But that's just well, so hard and complicated. <laughs> like, you know, but I get well, your point. Yeah. I, I mean, look, just, go ahead. There's no, I look, I, I don't fault the strategy. And I think it's going to be smart. I think I would have been a little bit smarter about when I bought as opposed to. You know, I mean, look, he was telling everybody to sell their fucking houses at $60,000 to buy more Bitcoin, right? That's some irresponsible shit, right? Yeah, telling, people to, that, yeah, telling people to borrow against their shit when it's at highs in the 40s up to 60s. That shit's irresponsible. Right now, this strategy is smart. DCA the shit out of that shit you bought at the peak so that you can 
you can really make money on this when this turns. The question becomes, do, will the stock price will the stock price ultimately reflect the value of the Bitcoin? Right? Is the market going is the market going to say, "Oh, look, Bitcoin's at 100,000 now." And so we're going to equivalently make the stock price worth the value of the Bitcoin that MicroStrategy holds. I don't know. Do they still make software? Yeah, I don't know. I think they do. But, um, you know, I guess to me, I think, remember, this was sort of a, a proxy Bitcoin play. <laughs> Sean uh, said, was nearly into that company, Brad, but then you said, and ETH. Uh, you know, I know, hey, wait, 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 Sean. Okay, go ahead. I know Sean has made money on ETH, so, uh, so I'm not sure you would be totally against this, right? Uh, if we start with just Bitcoin and gold, are you in? Because we could start there. We could do a cooperative that does this. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead, Joe. Sorry. No, I was just thinking. Remember when when he kind of got all this traction, uh, Sailor and MicroStrategy. Remember what was going on at that point? There was for U.S. customers. I think there was basically maybe Grayscale was already doing their thing, but you know people were having trouble really understanding that. And all of a sudden, here comes MicroStrategy, and it's something that everybody, you know, all the normies can do because they're already buying stocks. They already got yeah. it in a Fidelity plan or Ameritrade or you know whatever one they're on. And all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh shit, maybe we should take a shot on that Bitcoin stuff and buy some MicroStrategy." So I think that was where. He was very shrewd and smart in seeing that opportunity. As a vehicle for people that want to invest without investing directly. Without doing wallets and yeah. understanding. No, and I think that's brilliant. I think that's totally yeah. brilliant. I guess he can't so, talk about it, but, you know. Well, I guess they, no, people talk. Well, he does. I don't know if he does, but a lot of people. I thought I heard him say it directly, but I, it's in the media a lot. And, and so I think when I see the sell-off here, I think it's because the clients that were buying it because of Bitcoin – are now buying their own Bitcoin, let's say, um, not buying MicroStrategy. And so that's why I think it's gone down. And you see the same kind of stuff with, with Grayscale, you know, where, I mean, I don't even know what they do next at this point. Right. I mean, it was the same play, it, not the same play as MicroStrategy, but it was a similar play, a way for accredited institutional people to get exposure to Bitcoin or high net worth types. And they're already doing business with a lot of people around them already. So it's trust thing already in place. Well, obviously there's a lot more options now. I mean, EDX, sure. you know, that exchange coming out. I mean, I saw something, I think I lost this one, but it was um, some other big platform is allowing crypto now in the U S and it was, I thought it, it wasn't fidelity because they already said that it was somebody else, but you know, Oh, custody of crypto. That's what it was. I think it's fidelity is going to take, allow you to set up a custody account now which I assume means that you send your Bitcoin to them and they hold it, you know, under, and Fidelity is insured by, you know, the full faith and credit of the U.S. financial system. So right. all of a sudden you take another wrinkle out of the normie user adoption security um, and you insure it, they're holding. So these are all things that, yeah, boring, but it brings more users Sure. And it helps all of us too. So Eamon makes the point that he bought, a, he said most in early 2020. His first buy was in uh, August of 2020. So he bought in at about 11 and that was a big chunk. Uh, actually, it was about, uh, where was it? 21,454. And then in September, he bought 16,000, 17,000 more. 
Um, and he's been spreading them out. Um, but of course he kept buying all the way up. And I guess it's really equivocates to a, to a DCA strategy. Um, so I take back my, uh, buying them at the peak, but I don't take back that it was just kind of irresponsible to tell everybody to buy it at, at peak prices. Sean said that his average entry on ETH is 18 bucks. That's cool, Sean. Uh, but you still made money on ETH. He said he still hates it. Sheezy says, can we can we name the SPAC DeFi dinner? I'm in There that. you go, buddy. That's great, dude. I like let's, it. Let's start our own SPAC. Who do we call, yeah. Joe? I like DeFi. Can Lewis dinner. help us with that? Uh, yeah, uh, he could, definitely. I'm, so we have to figure out what is the optimal structure right now to do stuff like this. I don't know yeah. what is. Um, so I'll give him a call in the afternoon and just start discussing it. Sean says MicroStrategy and miners become a, became a proxy investment for BTC, but now there are lots more regulated options. Yes, and 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 a lot of miners don't have enough sense to manage their financials properly prior to dumps. But yeah, yeah. look, those miners I knew they were the ETH miners, and they were like everybody's like, oh my god, they're really successful. They've been making so much money, and then I. Come back six months later. It's like, oh, dude, you had to sell all the rigs out of cash, broke. <laughs> where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Hold on. This was good shit. I want to find this. Ah, uh, god damn it! I had What's this article matter, open. Uh, the Ethereum Ethereum miners are dumping like madmen, dumping all their ETH, and I'm like, every day these people are 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 show how stupid they are. <laughs> even more it's like okay so first of all you had four years to fucking plan for proof of stake right get your shit together launch DeFi on ethereum classic do something right start setting it aside start mining something else something you had plenty of years to prepare you had plenty of time to prepare your business your entire fucking business for this right and then you come up against it and you fucking come up against the, the the day when it's going to launch or two weeks before it's going to launch and a bunch of you and miners get together and decide you're going to fork with some total fucking mess without the technology or the skills or the knowledge and knowing how to do it, right? So you think you'll get one last big dump on people because you're going to double the number of ETH you have because you have ETH proof of work. Of course, that's a total clusterfuck. You get burned. You're losing money. You might have made a little more money, but if you haven't been holding your ETH because you can't pay your bills so you've been selling it all along, doesn't matter. Then... <laughs> then the proof of stake the merge happens price is already down and now out of vindictiveness or just stupidity or desperation you start dumping all your ETH and everybody does it together and I think it's like 170,000 dumped in the last couple of days and and you do it you dump it all together pushing the price down further and it's just like I I, I just Look, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life in business, but I just don't get, I just don't get these miners who are printing fucking money, not being ready for this shit. I just, I don't understand it. I, 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 I can't fathom, can't get it. Don't get it. Don't understand. Anyway. I saw some nice comments from, uh, I'm just trying to figure out where we were. Sean okay. said, we already did. You that. got that one. This one. Yeah. Oh, uh, Eamon says, Sean, you can send me your ETH if you dislike it. <laughs> I'm not an ETH maxi. I'm willing to alleviate your burden. Yeah, same here, Sean. 
Yeah, yeah we'll, and, we'll and all take one for the team we, there. We no. put the uh, show Ethereum address in the uh, show notes, so you're yeah. always welcome there. Uh, he says, he he, waiting for this last exit pump, then we'll flip it, man, but happy to buy you a beer any day. <laughs> uh, awesome. awesome. Oh, oh uh, then BTC will flip it? Or no, ETH no. will flip it? What's he mean? He means he's going to flip the ETH he has. He's oh, waiting for the last exit pump, then he's going to sell the ETH he has, um, and then he'll buy us all a beer. Nice. Yeah. So. I thought he was getting into hash. This, yeah, this is the one I was talking about right here. I did send it to you. Good. Institutional crypto custody service. I mean, all right. Now look, man. Oh yeah, Nasdaq is holding my crypto. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. You can't really do much. <laughs> it's like you, nobody gets fired for that move. No, nobody no, gets fired for that point? until. Yeah. How much are they taking? Right. Like, I what didn't do they really, charge for something like? I don't that, think I they wonder. said all that. I don't know. I wonder. I have no idea what custodians charge for custody, like Coinbase, the big ones. You know, like what? How much do you have to pay? Like, how do you pay? Is it like a monthly fee? Is it like per, a percentage of total held? I don't Let's know. Let's look at that last paragraph. Let's says BlackRock teamed up with Coinbase to offer trading yeah. and Bitcoin investment. J.P. Morgan blockchain-based trading platform. Goldman Sachs is set to follow suit with its own trading platform. Um. You know, I think there's probably, you know, think about it. What it really is, it's kind of like going to Ave in a way, you know, and dropping your shit on Ave. And right. then, but what, I mean, I'm pretty sure that these big institutions, you can park it in a custody account and then use it as collateral for a margin trading account. That's, a, that, that's interesting. Yeah, here's so Schwab like, Citadel of Fidelity launching EDX crypto exchange. Yeah. So you think you see all these interfaces coming together or all these access points on and off ramps coming together for, you know, big institutional money that has statutory requirements as to where they can place it. And now all of a sudden we're actually getting toward that point where, you know, groups like, you know, the Harvard endowment, let's say, which I don't know, what is it? $40 billion at this point, you know, where they start allocating a piece of their portfolio, they probably already are. But I'm getting to the point that these sort of ones that are kind of in that pension fund kind of category that mm -hmm. are holding retirement money and union money and, you know, that kind of stuff, they can't take risk. But now you're making it to where that money, some aspect of it can end up in a, say, a Bitcoin investment or something else. Yeah. You know, so whatever they're calling the institutional crypto at that point. I mean, that's huge. That's yeah, it's, absolutely huge. Yeah, it's big. This should be interesting. It's probably just a bunch of database entries, but uh, that'll help as well. So yeah, it just puts it's like putting a little vanilla wrapper over a really sexy product and dumbing it down so that it has you know clunky robustness that everybody feels secure with, or yep. those people feel secure with. Um, yeah, yeah, as a speculative asset, but absolutely so Sean, zero. Sean, you didn't answer me. Was that two for one happy hour or not? Oh, yeah. What was that yesterday, Sean, with the two beers? Were you stocking up or uh, did you have a date? Well, we'll let him go. Uh, all right. I got to wrap up, Joe. I got an interview. Sorry, I'm, I'm interviewing uh, the guys from Liquidity today. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Wow. How they, well, you'll find out how they're doing. Yeah, They've we got a new Bonds about... product called Chicken Bonds, and I have no clue what it is, so they're going to tell me. Yeah, we definitely want to know about that. See what they're doing because one he said of he our... had a meeting of the Permawell Club. Sean, <laughs> I didn't know Ireland was a whaling country. Yes, <laughs> Sean is the whale. 
Sounds All right, buddy. Yeah, but that'll be a good interview. Get some good nugs for us so we can share them out tomorrow. That you know, I'll, t- I'll do that. The pre-tease. The pre-tease. Um, the pre-tease. Only for our Patreon tea. subscribers. Do we exactly. have a Patreon? We don't have a Patreon. Is, is, there a, is there a crypto Patreon? Patreon is where you like, uh, where creators post exclusive content and people subscribe so they can get access to the exclusive content or uh, no. Um, so like what we do. Commercial content. Yeah, but it's like behind like a paywall, right? Oh, that's Eamon yucky. says chicken bonds are sick. Well, I'm going to learn all about them today, buddy. But I, I love Eamon what the guys resonate, like what Eamon, I knew you'd resonate on what Brad said. That's what I was getting ready to say. We got to make sure we get a little, some some four one one for uh, Amen. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening in, watching, and participating. Uh, Amen, Sean, Shizzy, James, Niblets. What a, we had a big crew today, man. Everybody that participated, we appreciate all your comments and thoughts. Love this interaction. You make the show better every day. If you're just out there lurking and listening. Uh, don't worry. You can go to uh, YouTube and participate with us. So come on in, uh, you know, create a, create an anonymous handle and come chat with us. We, we won't give your home address out. Uh, appreciate everybody listening and watching. Please, 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 please take a minute. Two things. One of two things. You, you have a choice. I have an assignment for all of you. You have a choice. Go to Apple podcasts, Apple iTunes, rate and review us and subscribe. So Apple says, oh, shit, these guys rock and push us up in the algorithm. Or number two, give a little tweet, just a little tweet. Tag a few friends. Talk about how brilliant Joe is. Talk about all his deep state connections, all the inside dirt, and the, the black market shit that we get here in, in DeFi lunch. And tell everybody how wonderful we are. Um, and those are one, those are one, you can pick one of those assignments. You don't even have to do them both. If you do them both, you get a bonus platinum star instead of a gold star so that's all we're asking today take take a minute just take one minute give us a little promo a little pump spotify apple Podcasts, um twitter thank you very much joe tomorrow hey, thanks everyone 200 tomorrow's, tomorrow's 200 times day. 200 mm-hmm. times 200 times 200 what 200 times we've fucking done this shit starting tomorrow oh yeah and also tomorrow's bed day FOMC, so it should be exciting. Oh, that's exciting. That's awesome, dude. So have some action. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. We love and appreciate you for listening and watching. Joe, have a wonderful day. You too, buddy. And thanks, everyone. See you tomorrow. See you all. Bye-bye.